Crossing family, both here, across this region, online, inside, at all of our different locations. If you're thankful for Jesus, can I get a whoop whoop? Oh man, I'm thankful for him too. I know it's cold. I don't know how many of you are gathered at all of our different locations and whether or not there's a ton of you watching online. And I know that sometimes when it gets bad weather out, uh, some of you will be wanting to know whether or not we're going to have church. Let me just handle that. Uh, we will always have church, always, 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 and let me tell you why. If, you're, if you can't get in, we get it, but if you can, we should have it, and if you can't make it in, watch online, but if you can, because every, you want to know why? It's because every single week someone decides to get baptized at our church, and we might as well open the doors and let them start that relationship. You cool with that? All right, so uh, what I want you guys to do Across all of our locations, would you stand up for me for just a second? We've been doing this for the last couple weeks. There are some unbelievably cool stories that are coming out of these moments. I'm hopeful that in two weeks I get to share a story of what happened last week at one of our locations that is just exactly who we want to be as a church. Um, but I know that right now, across all of our different locations, and of course some of you online and inside, if you were to be honest... Uh, you would say uh, you're in a storm. It may be uh, a storm of your, uh, that your own choosing. It may be a storm that you caused, or maybe you had nothing to do with the storm. But nevertheless, you're in it. You're being pelted by the wind, and you're being hit by the waves. You're just saying uh, it could be your marriage, it could be your finances, it could be a relationship with a friend or your kids. It could be the loss of a job. It could be a bad diagnosis. The bottom line is, is if you were to say, uh, you would, if I were to say, if you're in a storm, you'd go, yeah, Clayton, it's, it's storming in my life. And I don't know how many of you fall into that category across all of our locations, but we want to pray for you right now as a church. So if you'd say, yep, Clayton, I'll be honest with you, I, it's, I'm in a storm. Would you put your hand up? Okay, and all across all our regions, you guys are putting your hands up. While they're doing that, if you don't have your hand up and you love Jesus and you'd be willing to go and put your hand on their shoulder, Difference Maker staff, and we're gonna pray for all of you with your hands up. So keep your hand up until someone comes and puts their hand on your shoulder, okay? While you guys are moving, I wanna give you all a gift. Uh, I've told you before that I'm not cool. Uh, let me prove it to you. Uh, there is a song on the Gaithers, and it's called uh, Master of the Wind. Okay, and when I was uh, working on, when I was thinking through this part of my message, I thought about it. You can go home and Spotify it if you want to, but the song's called, if you want to, and you're going to be like, Clayton, this song is, I can't believe you listened to this, but listen, the lyrics are gold. This is what it says. Uh, my, my, uh, my boat of life sails on a troubled sea whenever there's wind in my sail, but I have a friend who watches over me when that breeze turns into a gale. I know the master of the wind. I know the maker of the rain. He can calm a storm, make the sun shine again. I know the master of the wind. And for some of you that are right now in the midst of a storm, I wanna give you two verses. The first one is in Isaiah chapter 41. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. So those of you who are in a storm, God is going to sustain you in the storm. Here's another one. This is from like the favorite passages of scripture. Go home, underline this one in your Bible. Psalm 23, verse four. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, 
comfort and protect me. Would you guys pray with me? God, you're the only person who knows just how much of a storm uh, we're in. God, you see every single heart, every single story, every single circumstance simultaneously right now. God, you know just how much rain we're gonna experience. You know just how high the waves are. You know just how strong the wind is blowing. And so God, first of all, I wanna say thank you. Thank you for being the kind of God that can cause storms to cease, that has the power to deliver us from storms. God, I know that sometimes you don't do that, and so I'm also thankful that if you don't stop the storm, you give us the strength to get through the storm, that your resources to us are limitless. And God, beyond that, I know that no matter what, your word has promised us that you will never abandon us in the storm and that you will always be with us, right beside us. And so God, I pray, not just that you would get us out of these storms, but that in the midst of these storms, we wouldn't be pushed further away from you, but that our dependence upon you would grow. God, help us as a church, help those who are in need and who are struggling and to come alongside of them in this storm and in this season for your glory. In your name I pray, amen. You guys can have a seat. God bless you. We are in a sermon series, and the first week of the sermon series, and I'm gonna give you a hint, I'm gonna need your help here with this part of the message. It's in big, lit up letters across all of our locations. The first sermon was, there has to be a place for, for everyone. For the 45% of you that are awake, God bless you. There has to be a place for everyone, and it's gonna take every one of us to make it happen. And we looked at this spiritual spectrum and we realized that we have a spiritual responsibility to everybody on this continuum. continuum. For those who are far from Jesus and for those who've been following Jesus for a really long time. And we realized that we have a spiritual obligation to this region. And our hope is to make this region and whatever God grows it to be, to be the hardest place on earth to get to hell from. And then last week we talked about there has to be a place that gives people time. There was one person. God bless you for coming. For those of you who are new, my name's Clayton Hensel. I've been at this church for a long time. I'm excited to be with you. And I love that you came on a cold day. And you're gonna love it here because for the rest of the year it should be warmer, okay? So last week we talked about there has to be a place that gives people, yeah, because it takes time. Sometimes it takes, if we're gonna be honest, it takes more time than we want for a person to move from minus five to minus four. Have you ever been frustrated how long it takes for people to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ? Yeah, if you're a staff member, we just, you know, we're like, we'll come to the steps right now. It takes time, and we realize that we need to be patient with people as they're making their move and their growth and their journey in Jesus because that's what God's been with us that it took us time for us to get serious about our faith, and so we need to be the kind of church that gives other people time. In fact, if we're gonna say we love people, we need to remember that the very first descriptor of love in 1 Corinthians 13 is love is patient. So we're gonna have to be patient with people as they try to find a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, I heard a story this week, and I was like, oh, I should tell my whole church this story. It would have been great for me to tell that story uh, last week during my sermon, but since none of you guys were here, let me tell it to you. 
there's this missionary in uh, Papua New Guinea, and he was a Bible translator. And so he was working with this village to understand their language, and then he was going to take their language and he was going to translate the New Testament so that they could have the Bible in their own language. And I know that seems crazy to you guys because you've never lived in a world where you don't have access to a Bible. You've got like six dusty ones at home and then one on every device. But they had nothing. And so this missionary spent years putting together this Bible. Eventually he finished it. They sent it off. They got it published. And it was printed on this really fine paper. And so the day came. They're having a big party in the village. And they're passing out the New Testament to all the villagers so they can read the Bible, hear the words of Jesus. And this guy comes up smoking something. I don't know what he was smoking. And he goes, hey, I gotta be honest with you. He's talking to the missionary. He goes, "Um, I don't want your New Testament to read it, uh, but the papers look awesome to smoke. Right. And the missionary was obviously a super fly guy because he goes, well, I'll make you a deal. I'll give you a Bible, uh, but before you smoke a page, you have to read a page. And the guy's like, deal. Years later, this missionary is at a conference, and the guy uh, who was the Bible smoker uh, was there. And he comes up, he goes, you may not remember me, but you gave me the Bible, and you told me I had to read a page uh, before I smoked a page. And now I want you to know that I'm the pastor of my village. And the guy, and the missionary goes, well, what happened? He goes, well, I smoked Matthew. And I smoked Mark. And I smoked Luke. That's a lot of of pages if those of you haven't read your Bible in a while. And I smoked John chapter one. And I smoked John chapter two. And then I got to John chapter three, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, come on, will not perish but have eternal life. And I realized that God loved me and I couldn't shake it. Say it with me, sometimes it takes, yeah. And we're gonna be a place that gives people time. Now, today I wanna talk to you about getting out of the boat. Turn to your neighbor, say, I'm getting out of the boat. Now, for those of you who grew up rich, that didn't make any sense because you grew up going to the Lake of the Ozarks and you had a nice boat, okay? And you're like, you know, you've been down there, you hang out with rich people, and they've got like a boat that's got like a little mini kitchen on it, and it's got a bathroom. But if you grew up like I did, poor, you know, if we wanted to use the bathroom, we got out of the boat, right? That's how, that's how we rolled. And I, I grew up on the water. I mean, I love being out on, I like anything water, mainly because I feel pretty light, okay? It makes me a lot lighter when I'm in the water. And we do all the things. Um, you know, my parents got a paddleboard. And so we put it in the pool and we'd try and run off the diving board and then land on the paddleboard and then try and surf to the other end and then hop out of the shallow end. Haven't made it yet, but you know, this, this is a brand new year, who knows? I've done wakeboarding, I like to ski. And there was this couple about 20 years ago here from our 48th Street campus when I was a youth pastor. They said, Clayton, you love being out on the water? And I'm like, I love it. I'm like, well, we'd love to take you skiing. I mean, I'm like, this would be fantastic. Now, when it comes to skiing, uh, I'm a pretty decent skier. I'm, a, I'm not good at slalom skiing. There's a lot of pounds per square inch on one ski. And when everybody's like, just kick, Clayton, just kick. And I'm always using skis that aren't designed for 300 pounds. Like, I'm one of the most athletic 300-pounders and attractive you'll ever see. And I'll, I'll get out on the water, and you try to do the kick thing, and I'll kick and whack right in the water. I mean, it happens that fast. There's no. So these, these, this family's super excited to take me out skiing. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be fantastic. I'm going to enjoy this all day. 
I show up and this guy has a John boat. And I'm like, but this, oh, guys, thanks for bringing me out. <laughs> but I, I don't think I'm gonna ski. Oh, no, you'll, you'll be fine. Like, nah, I won't. I've seen the size motors it takes to get me out of the water. And that's not it, okay? <laughs> Put the whole family in the front just to keep the motor in. It's not, it's not happening. He's like, no, trust me, it'll work. Well, he basically waterboarded me all over Mark Twain Lake. I was so sick. I mean, I had taken in so much water. Like, even when I closed my mouth, so much was going in every other hole on my face that, like, I got done, and I was like the Michelin man. Like, I had taken on way too much water. But some, and all I wanted to do that day was just, I just get me out of the boat, get me out of this family, let me go home. Sometimes... Sometimes you just gotta get out of the boat. And we as a church need to be a place that celebrates people when they get out of the boat, when they take their biggest steps of faith. We need to be a church that encourages them and celebrates with them because if you wanna walk on water, you gotta get out of the boat. Look at Matthew chapter 14, verse 23 through 23. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and crossed to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Jesus has just had a very long day. If you've grown up in church, you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't, uh, Jesus' day started out by him finding out that his cousin, John, John the Baptist, had been beheaded. He's trying to figure out a way to like mourn, and so he tries to get away from everybody, but the crowd follows him, and he can't get away. And so he turns, and he has compassion on the crowd, and he heals all of their sick. After he'd finished healing all of their sick, his disciples come to him, and they say, uh, Master, uh, we're a long way away from, uh, from any city, and the people here are hungry, and it's here that Jesus feeds the 5,000. Then after that, Jesus is like, hey, crowd, you gotta go. And he turns to the disciples, get in the boat, you gotta go. Because Jesus wanted to get alone and have some time with just himself and God in prayer. This isn't really a part of my message, but just a quick note. Uh, just, Jesus was the son of God. He had perfect power, perfect strength, uh, a perfect mind, and he still found comfort and guidance in prayer with God. And if Jesus saw a necessity to it, and he's perfect, how much more should you and I see a necessity in it? Because we will never experience the wisdom, the power, the blessing of God within the absence of prayer to God. Uh, so here's a little test. This week, just try this out. Uh, this week, before you get out of bed for the next week, like alarm clock goes off, snooze, I got you covered. Then the second time it goes off, okay, snooze. But in between that snooze and the third snooze, pray. In your bed, and here's, uh, here's kind of like, here's my format. So if you've never prayed before, you can use this one. Start off by just saying, you know, thank you, God. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for getting me to the day. Thank you for coming in clutch. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for dying for me. Just a whole bunch of thank yous. Then, ask God to like sear some stuff in your heart. Like God, solidify in my mind your position. Like where I am in you. Like remind me that I'm adopted, that I'm a child, that I can call you dad. 
Like, sear in me that you love me because sometimes I doubt it. Like, just have an honest conversation going, God, I just need you to solidify some things in my heart. Then, this is super critical, ask him for help. God, uh, man, me and the wife, we went to bed last night and it wasn't good. And um, I'm gonna start talking to her here in a little bit. And if you wanted to come in and help me craft those first couple of sentences, I would really appreciate it because I don't want to have a bad day. And I'm guessing that if you do that, it'll go well for you, especially if you pray out loud and she's still in bed. And she hears, she hears you going, God, I love this woman, and I feel like I, I didn't do it right. So one, forgive me for not loving her the way I'm supposed to love her and give me some guidance and wisdom on how to love her well today. Just telling you. These are free, okay? You didn't even have to pay yet. Then you might go, God, I got a kid, you know, who I've got to get ready, and if I don't get him ready just right today, he's going to be spun out all day. And God, I'm going to see so-and-so at, at, at work, and you know I don't like so-and-so. I've never liked her. I don't know why you made her, God. <laughs> I, I just don't. But I know that I'm supposed to be a light in a dark place, and I know that she needs love just like I do. And so, God, would you grant me some patience with her today? just like I'm sure lots of people are praying about having to have patience with me, okay? Here's what I've noticed about God. And for those of you who prayed before, when you invite God in, he comes in. When you ask for advice, he delivers it. When you seek him for counsel, he shows up. I mean, he's never late. And if you start leaning into God in prayer, I think you'll be amazed at what happens. All right, let's keep going in the story. Verse 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, let's not skip over this part, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I'm here. So uh, let's start here. Jesus sees the disciples struggling and he goes out to them walking on the water. That's how cool your Jesus is. Like Jesus didn't go around to the other side of the lake and go, I'm over here. Paddle harder. Put it deeper into the water. No, Jesus just comes out walking on the water. And you have to think, like, what would that visual be like? I mean, he's walking down the hill, comes to the bank, and then just starts walking on the water. What happens when he gets to a wave? Like when Jesus is walking on the water and he hits a wave, does he like, like I don't know. <laughs> or does it just part when it gets to him? I mean, these are all things. You, this is why reading the Bible is so fun. What does it look like when Jesus walks on water? And then he gets there and the people freak out. They're thinking they're seeing a ghost. And sometimes we're way too hard on people in the Bible because you'd have freaked out too, right? I mean, I've, I've seen some of you guys at Lake of the Ozarks. If you saw a person walking on water, you'd be like, ooh, how many have I had? <laughs> Babe, are you seeing this? She's like, actually, honey, I'm seeing this too. You need to stop drinking, right? You'd, this is a problem. And then Jesus is like, no, it's, it's not a ghost, it's me. In fact, Jesus, in the middle of the storm, says three things. Don't be afraid. Take courage. What's the last one? I'm here. How cool is your Jesus? He comes out walking. He says, don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. So 
He gets done praying. He sees the disciples struggling. He goes out to them walking on the water. And then let's keep going, see what happens next. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat. I'm getting out of the boat. And walked on the water towards Jesus. I love Peter. How many of you guys have a friend like Peter? You're going, man, if there's, a, if there's a party, I'm going. If there's a dance floor, I'm in the middle of it. Like, hey, Jesus, if it's really you walking on the water, I'm coming out. Like, let me try. And that's exactly what he does. And I'll be honest with you, that is exactly the kind of church that I want us to be. I want us to be the kind of church that we see Jesus working and our natural desire is to join him in his work. Peter sees Jesus walking on water and his natural tendency is, can I come out there with you? And I want us to be a church that sees God moving and we go, can we come out too? Can we get out of this boat and can we come and be with you? There have only been two people on planet earth that have walked on water. One is the son of God, Jesus Christ himself. The other one is a fisherman turned apostle named Peter. That's who I want us to be. And there has to be a place that cheers for people and roots them on and supports them as they take their biggest steps of faith. Look at this spiritual spectrum, we have to realize that every move from left to right is a, is a water walking moment for people. Instead of getting discouraged, we need to be celebrating when people make these moves. For instance, when a person's here and they don't even believe in God and they start asking questions about God, instead of us being defensive about them asking those questions, we should be thrilled that they're asking questions about something that they don't even believe exists. And when they go to like, what time are the service times? We should be going, you're not bothering me. This is fantastic. You might come to church with me one of these days. When they go from watching online to actually physically attending, when they start serving or they start getting to get baptized or they start joining our church and filling out a card, any of those things is a huge step of faith and we need to be a place that cheers for them along the way. But too often, we spend all of our energy trying to talk them back into the boat. We are rooting for people so often to have faith when they're here and 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 they're here. And then I've seen this happen. In fact, I've even done it myself. That once they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we shift from trying to talk them, uh, kick them out of the boat and have them walk on water to trying to talk them back into the boat. Man, I want you to follow Jesus, but don't give up sports. Or I want you to follow Jesus, but don't go into ministry. Uh, man, follow Jesus, but, but don't become a missionary. Follow Jesus, but don't take a different job which allows you to move or that allows you to invest more in the kingdom of God. I wanna be a church that every step of the way we are rooting for people when they're getting ready to take a big faith-filled risk. And you're gonna be listening to somebody and you're gonna go, man, I, I feel like I'm supposed to do this. And they're gonna be like, well, I mean, it's, that's, that's a pretty big step. And I want us to be a church that goes, yeah, it's a pretty big step, but we serve a pretty big God, last I checked. Man, make, taking that step of faith, it might, it might break you. It might hurt you. Yeah, it might. But last I checked, we serve a God who heals and restores. 
I want us to be a church that embraces big, faith-filled, water-walking risks. Here's what I mean. For the last couple of years, there have been things that have just been heavy on my heart that I'm going, I wonder if we could. And I keep adding to the list, and a couple of weeks, something else got added to the list. And I just want to tell you some of my crazy ideas that maybe one day a group of people just like us could actually accomplish in our lifetime, in our communities. I've been wondering, could we be a church that one day has a 1,000 kids that have been adopted through families in our church that have decided to give kids a second lease on life? I wonder if one day we could be a church that fosters 1,000 kids and gives them the most enjoyable transitional period that they can have here on planet Earth while they're trying to be reunited with their biological family. I pray that one day our church could take over Section 8 housing in all of our communities and make sure that people are treated with dignity and respect and given the time they need to get on their financial feet. I want to be a church that inside of one calendar year sends 1,000 people on mission trips because I think it would absolutely change their lives. I wanna be a church that sends out 100 people to launch our next location who'd be willing to move into that area to help it become a success. I wanna be a church that raises up young and old, male and female, to become ministers in our church and in other churches that we would send out to be a blessing. I wanna be a church that puts together an endowment fund that makes summer camp free for all who want to attend but couldn't afford to go. I wanna be a church that one day sends people on the mission field fully supported, both spiritually and financially, so they don't have to spend all of their time trying to find money in a bunch of other places, but they would know that just one place has their back and will be all the wind and the sails that they could ever need to sail. I wanna be a church that finds a way to offer counseling and medical services to people who are underserved and disenfranchised. And I don't wanna just do it at one location, I wanna do it at every single one of our locations. I wanna be a church that believes if God calls us out on the water that we could actually walk on it. And you know what I think? I think you do too. I think there are things that break your heart, stir your soul, ignite your passion. What is the thing that you believe that God has been calling you to do? And what is the step you feel are you, that you are supposed to make? Because we want to be a church that cheers you on as you make it. Look, look what happens. Matthew chapter 14. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why'd you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Peter goes from walking on water to sinking. Why? Because his focus shifted. Instead of focusing on Jesus, he started to focus on the wind and the waves. Too many people jump way too far into this story and don't spend enough time recognizing the fact that Peter actually walked on water. He did the impossible. He experienced success, but then he got distracted. He got distracted from his Savior by his circumstances. And you know this truth because, you know, you guys have been there before. You can't walk on water if your eyes aren't focused on the one who's making it possible. And as we as a church get ready to take big, faith-filled risks, We must, we must, we must, we must, we must keep our eyes focused on the one who makes it possible. We not only need to focus on him, we need to be a church that helps people keep their eyes focused on Jesus. I don't know if you've seen this, but I've sure seen this. During the last couple of years, 
I've noticed that the people who spent a lot of their time focusing on Washington and politics and a lot of people who spent a lot of their time focusing on news and social media have not fared nearly as well as those who kept their eyes focused on Jesus. Have you noticed that? That the people who seem the most spun out are the people trying to enter a room with no spin. But the people who kept their eyes focused on Jesus were going, Jesus wasn't surprised by what we're going through and he'll get us through what we're going through. We have to be a church that helps people keep their eyes focused on Jesus. Then Jesus gets inside the boat and the wind stops. We can forget that Jesus has the power over the wind and the waves. Colossians tells us in him all things hold together. We can forget that Jesus is bigger than anything we face. We forget that Jesus is bigger than our storms, bigger than our circumstances, and bigger than our trials. And we have to be a church that embraces that Jesus is bigger. That's the real point of the story, that the people came to the conclusion that Jesus is God. And that is exactly what happens. All creation moves at his command. And when you and I step out in faith, when you and I keep our focus on him, the world will see that Jesus is God, that there is life in him, and that he can be trusted. When we step out of the boat, you and I please God. Hebrews 11 says this, and it is impossible to please God without faith. The old translations used to say, and without faith it's impossible to please God that if you and I wanna put a smile on God's faith, it's gonna require us lifting a leg over the side of the boat and actually trusting him and trying to do the very things that God is calling us to do. Here's what that looks like. Uh, There's a guy uh, at a local treatment facility a couple years back by the name of Brett. And Brett was at the treatment facility and we were offering our services uh, in that treatment facility through our online platform. And so he started attending. And two of the people that were working there on behalf of our church were just volunteers. They, uh, they started telling Brett that God has uh, big plans for him. Well, months later, one of those leaders said that one day Brett would be leading the Bible study at the treatment center. And it wasn't long before that vision cast became a reality. It was the first time he had been trusted with something since he had been clean and sober. It was a huge milestone in his life and his walk with Jesus. Then he started attending our 929 campus and he was asked to serve communion at the service and it might not sound like a big deal to most of you, but to him, he couldn't believe that he was being trusted with this. Then John Mitchell uh, kept asking Brett to serve more. He eventually became a service leader, started speaking on stage and became a contributing voice in the decisions that were made at that campus. Then he was introduced to Celebrate Recovery. Now we have regeneration and an incredible man by the name of Jim Dennis. And if you met Jim, Jim Dennis, you, you know enough. Uh, But to this day, Jim Dennis is a father figure to Brett, providing advice, direction, love, and support to him. Then John Mitchell asked Brett if he wanted to move in with his family, and so that way he could be a part of the DEVELOP program. And for those of you who went on the Wreck the Roof journey, you made that possible, and so Brett became a developer, and he moved in with the Mitchells. And that's where Brett learned how a godly family is supposed to live and and how they're supposed to look. And so John became another mentor and another father figure in Brett's life. Then one day, Brett was given the chance to be on staff here at the crossing. Each one of those moments in Brett's life was a water walking move for Brett at that time. And we as a church 
were ready to cheer him on and help him keep his eyes focused on Jesus and reminding him that Jesus is bigger than his storms because Jesus is God. That's just one story. All right, here's another one. Uh, this is right here is Paul. Paul's a sophomore in high school here at our 48th Street location. And he has a younger brother, Ben, who has uh, special needs. And this is uh, his brother, Ben. We'll go to the next picture. His brother, Ben, and then his awesome wife, or awesome mom, Jennifer. And uh, growing up, Paul heartbroke because his mom and dad never really had a chance to have a date night and time off because it was just hard. It was difficult. I mean, even if they got a sitter, oftentimes they'd get called back early because a problem would arise. Paul, sophomore in high school. He had a heart and a passion to provide a place for kids with special needs and adults with special needs to be able to come and have fun and learn about Jesus. And while they were learning about Jesus here at the church, their caregivers could go and have a date night. So he started a ministry called No Limits. And they had their first meeting last Friday and there were 10 different kids that showed up and there were 20 difference makers that helped him make it possible. That's what it looks like when we as a church come alongside a sophomore in high school and he's going, I wanna take a step of faith and we go, yeah, how can we help? He didn't come to us and say, hey, here's a step of faith I want you to take because that's not how it works. He came and said, I wanna do this, can you help? And we as a church circled around him. Some incredible people said, yep, we will make it happen. There has to be a place that encourages people as they take their biggest steps of faith. There has to be a place that helps people keep their eyes focused on Jesus. There has to be a place that reminds people that Jesus is God. But I need you to hear me say this. You can't encourage people from the boat. You can't. Too often what we wanna do is just build a bigger boat with comfier cushions and, and, and taller walls. No, that's not how it works. If you wanna encourage and cheer people on as they're taking water walking steps of faith, you need to be out of the boat and on the water because when they see that God is providing and sustaining and taking care of you, they will believe that God can sustain and take care of them. If you're gonna look at them and say, trust me, you can walk on the water if God's in it, it's a whole lot easier for them to hear you when you're not in the boat and you yourself are walking on water. There has to be a place that believes that God can move. There has to be a place that keeps people's eyes focused on Jesus. There has to be a place that celebrates it when people take steps of faith. And I keep wondering, why not here? Why not with us? And why not now? There has to be a place. This world needs it, and our response to God deserves it. So I'm getting out of the boat, and I hope you will too. We're moving to a time of decision. There's some of you in here right now that you know what's getting ready to happen. You know we're getting ready to have this invitation time, and we're going to encourage people to come up to the steps, and we're going to encourage people to get baptized, and you're going, yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds really, really good for other people. 
And I, I get that. And I know sometimes we talk about people coming up here the steps like, we talk about it like it's just super easy. And you're going, Clayton, I'll be honest with you, uh, that's a big step of faith for me. Like, I've never done anything like that. And I'd be lying to you if I said it's easy. Because it's hard. It's hard to take small steps of faith like that. Because those small steps of faith are actually like big steps. Let, let, me, let me tell you what it's like for me. So when I'm not here, I travel around to other locations. And I'll go to these other locations for church. And I, I'm not the kind of guy that can hide in a room. Because, you, well, you know, I'm huge, right? And so I'll be sitting at a church service. And Jerry will finish preaching, and it'll be a better sermon than I preached. And then the campus pastor will get up and do the plane landing. And then I'll feel in my heart like I should, uh, I should go the steps. And you know what I think sometimes? Well, if I go to the steps, people are going to go, oh, no. What's wrong with Clayton? Did he come all the way here so that the people at 48th Street didn't see him go to the steps about this particular thing? I wonder what's going on in his mind. I wonder if his marriage is okay. And then I'll say to myself, maybe you know what I should do? Maybe I shouldn't go to the steps and pray because I'll be a distraction to everybody else. Like I think I have the same stuff go through my head that probably goes through your head. And you know when I found out about this church, at least the right kind of people in this church, you don't give a rip whether or not I go to the steps or not. Because during the plane landing, you're not supposed to be worried about my relationship with Jesus. You're supposed to be worried about your relationship with Jesus. I've, I've never sat there or stood there during invitation and when somebody walked up there, go, I wonder what they're up there for. But Satan will put that thought in my head when I want to go to the steps. Am I talking to anybody yet? You know what? Do you know what the heartbeat of this church should be? And I think it is. That when we see people going to the steps, we're going, thank you, Jesus. And that's it. And if God puts it on our heart, we would go up and join them. Put our hand on their back and let them know that they're not walking alone. Some of you, there's nothing special about these steps. Nothing. There's nothing special about anything physical at any of our locations. What's special is, is when you decide to give a rip what the world thinks and just keep your eyes focused on him, that God can do a lot with a heart like that. And when you decide, God, I'm going to humble myself and get down on my knees, that God meets you in those humble moments. And the Bible says that he will lift us up. And I know for some of you, what I'm talking about today might seem trivial, but for some of you in this room, you're going, man, I've never made any move like that, and I wonder what would happen if you made a move, just a small, you just put, you just put your foot over the edge of the boat to see if it's solid. And some of you, you're going, man, I, I keep seeing everybody else get baptized. And that's a huge step. To make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior is not something to enter into lightly but we want to be a church that celebrates it, roots for you as you try to live it out. And some of you go, man, I would love to get baptized, but I'm not ready to be perfect yet. Newsflash. Uh, judging by what my wife's been telling me lately, I'm not perfect. That 
God is making me more like him, but I am not him. And that even after you get baptized, you're still gonna fail and you're still gonna fall short because we're not Jesus. But I'll tell you what, you don't have any shot at being the person that your family needs you to be without the Holy Spirit in you and you will never have the Holy Spirit in you until you become obedient in the area of baptism. And I know that seems like a big step of faith, but I just need you to know in advance, this church is ready to cheer you on when you make that move. And in just a few moments, when the people around you stand and some of them come up to the steps to pray, if that's you, there's gonna be somebody right over by the baptistry that would love to talk with you and answer some of the questions that you have. To the rest of you people in the room, those of you who've already had a relationship with Jesus, here's what I'm asking you to do. Would you come up to the steps today and just pray like one or two prayers? One. God, help me to get out of the boat. The longer you're a Christian, the easier it is for you to get comfortable. And you will never grow in your comfort zone. You never grow in the boat. Never happens. It takes no faith to be in the boat. It takes faith to get out of the boat. Would you come up and pray, God, put some faith in me. Just, just a little. And maybe the second prayer you would pray is, God, use my life to point people to the fact that Jesus is God. And I wonder what could God do with a church that prayed prayers like that? I say we find out. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, use this moment right now. Use this moment right now to bring about a change in every heart and every life in this room and to those watching online. God, I know it's scary out there. I know it's tough out there. But God, in here, we want to celebrate the fact that you are over us and you are covering us and you are calling us. We're just asking you to give us the strength and the courage and the faith to respond. In your name I pray. Amen.